Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So today is May 1st, which means we're talking about Season 5, Episode 19? Yeah. Um, entitled Tough Love. We're also talking about the Angel episode belonging. Okay, so this is actually okay. We'll start with the angel stuff just to get it over with. This is actually the beginning of a kind of interesting arc of Angel, if I remember correctly. So basically, like all this portal shit happens. We finally find out that Lauren's name is Lauren. Like I've been calling him Lauren the whole time, but apparently he was only referred to as the host up until now, the demon that runs the karaoke bar that is very queer-coded, except he makes a comment in this episode about, like, talking up the ladies or something. I don't know. It's like, really? <laughs> Whoever wrote that line, um, obviously either knew that this character was queer-coded and wanted to double down on the no homo, or they just didn't even uh, get it. I don't know. Like, same thing with Andrew. Like, we haven't even met Andrew yet on Buffy, but once we meet Andrew, there's going to be, like, he's going to make a comment every once in a while about women. Like, why is he not allowed to be out? I don't understand that. Like, it's very weird. I mean, he's out in the comics, but anyway. Okay, so let's talk about this episode of Angel. This is where, like, we find out Lauren's real name. We, we, we find out his... He... His origin planet is a place called Pylea. He might have mentioned that before, but we actually get to see Pylea firsthand. Um, only in like the last couple seconds of the episode, this episode, but the entire arc throughout the end of the season is going to be on Pylea, if I remember correctly. And we finally meet Fred. Fred shows up in Cordy's vision um, in one of her visions in this episode. And we're going to finally meet her like next episode. And I'm so excited. I like freaked out whenever I saw her in Cordelia's vision. And I just like wrote it down, wrote down a million exclamation points in my, um, in my notes, because I'm very excited to finally get Fred. You know, we've suffered through two long seasons of Angel only having the one consistent female character. And that's just dumb. We need more. <laughs> that's all there is. Um, okay, so this episode, Cordelia booked a national commercial. We get to see a little bit of behind the scenes of, like, how women are treated in the entertainment industry. Because Cordelia is treated like total dog shit at her commercial. She's dressed all, like, skimpy, and they, like, are super, the director's super dismissive and shitty towards her, and Angel witnesses it, and he tries to defend her, but Cordelia gets mad at him because he might compromise her career, and she actually takes the abuse. So I think that was an interesting commentary that, like, we get to see her 
in that environment. And then, you know, we get to see Angel later talking to Wesley and Gunn about it. Like, it was so weird. He was treating her like shit. You know, of course, that's not exactly what he said. But it was so weird. They were treating her the director was treating her like shit and she was just taking it. Like when was the last time Cordelia's ever taken any shit from us, you know? And then Gunn had this cute line that was like, never. And then two days after never or something like that. I don't know, but it was funny. Um, so that was an interesting thing. Um, I wrote, I wonder if this was triggering for Cordelia because the irony of the fact is she is right now, not Cordelia, (laughs) charisma. Um, the irony of the fact is that right this very second, she's in a situation where she is getting treated like shit by the director. At the very least, Joss, and I know he wasn't necessarily on set at all times, but she was right now in the throes of being treated like shit by the patriarchal figure running the show that she was on. But it's like he wrote this in... I don't know. To me, I might be looking too far into it, but it's almost like he wrote this little series of scenes right here just to like, I don't know, try to be like, see charisma, you're not getting treated this badly. Like, like gaslighting her or something. I don't know. That's what that seemed like to me a little bit like showing her that at least they're not doing this to her, but at the same time, they're doing this to her while making the commentary that they're not doing this to her. Does that make sense? It's like they still put her in a super skimpy bikini. They still made her, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I won't go too far into that, but I hope you guys smell what I'm stepping in here, as my brother used to say. Probably you still say it, don't you, Sagan? <laughs> anyway, um, where are we? Um, Cordelia gets like food poisoning at the restaurant. They're all eating at the beginning of the episode. I don't know what the point is of her having food poisoning. It doesn't seem to bear any weight on the plot of the episode at all. I I don't understand the point of this. Like they're taking her out to celebrate the fact that she booked a national commercial and then she gets sick on the sashimi couscous, couscous, which sounds interesting. Um, anyway, also we get like a little taste of Wesley daddy issues again. Like we've seen this before, but this is probably, I don't actually remember which, what we've seen so far. We just get, like, a little bit of a reminder of what Wesley's going through. I guess he's supposed to be, like, the leader of Angel Investigations now. And I see how that happened when Angel was gone. But now that Angel's back, it just, it seems a little weird that they're holding on to this whole, but Wesley's the boss now thing. Because it doesn't make sense that Wesley's the boss. You know, Angel comes up with plans on the spot as far as what they need to do. And, I mean, it's not like... He's the boss of everyone, literally. Like, it doesn't have to be that someone is the boss. It's just he's the one that has the most experience with this kind of stuff. And he's the one that comes up with a plan. You know, just like whoever comes up with a smart plan first, you follow that person, right? It doesn't, it's it's just like a weird hierarchy thing that is being emphasized, which I don't understand, but whatever. Um, Let's see what else we got. 
we see a little moment of like the when Angel visits Cordelia on the set of the commercial it's like a beach set and it's made to look like there was like the lighting was set up so that it looked like sunlight and all that stuff and so you get like a little moment of Angel just pretending to bask in the sunlight on the beach which he can't do anymore which is going to come back because on Pylea there's two suns and for whatever reason these suns aren't damaging to vampires so he we're going to get to see Angel for the next three episode arc I think unless they come back at the end whatever at least for a couple episodes we're going to get to see Angel in the sunlight which is kind of cute um, so it was just, that was just a nice touch, I thought. This whole thing with Gunn and his friends, I don't know, it just sort of rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what the show is trying to say with this whole narrative, because, you know, obviously Joss Whedon wanted to be like, see, I have a black character, and that's the entire reason that Gunn is here. And he obviously doesn't understand how to write for Gunn. Um... And great that we get a black actor on a Buffyverse show as a main character. I'm happy with that, very much so, it, you know, even if it's by questionable means. But, like, I just don't understand how they're writing him. I don't understand what they're trying to say. Because, you know, all of his friends are mad at him because he sort of abandoned them. And that seems understandable to me, but the show seems to want us to think that, you know, he's with Angel now. He doesn't need to, like, worry about his friends anymore or whatever. I don't know. And every time Gunn is, like, reminded that his friends exist, he just gets all super defensive and mean towards everybody, which he's going to do soon, I assume. Does he even end up on Pylea? I don't know. That would be... I can't remember if he ends up with everybody else. Because right now, Cordelia got... She got sucked into the portal, and she's in Pylea, so they're going to have to go after her in the next episode. But I don't know if Gunn goes with them. I assume so. But I just don't like this whole, like, narrative that the show seems to be pushing that Gunn has to choose between his friends and his his old friends and his new friends. This This sort of... I don't understand it. And it's like, we don't really ever, I mean, essentially he picks his new friends because I don't even know if we see his old friends again after this particular plot point that's going on right now. Do we even see his old friends ever again? Or does he just decide not to go with them anymore? And then there was this moment of Wesley's worried about Gunn because Gunn isn't answering their pages because Gunn was dealing with the death of one of his friends and so he just wasn't answering the pages or didn't see them or whatever and Wesley was saying that he was concerned for Gunn and like maybe he's in trouble and Cordelia just said remember the last time you were afraid Gunn was in trouble and then you got shot what is the implication there that white guy going into you know the scene the hood uh is gonna get hurt if he goes to save Gunn and then they just he's just like oh good point and then they don't mention Gunn again the rest of the episode I mean we see scenes with Gunn in it but like the characters just decide not to worry about him because it might be dangerous for them to go find Gunn in his actual like original neighborhood where we presume that he lives 
I don't, I just think, I mean, I'm just a white girl and I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I just feel like this is at the very least tone deaf, the way that they're writing Gunn. They don't know how to write him. And maybe that's why Joss Whedon always shied away from writing characters of color because he has no fucking clue how to do it. But guess what? Not an excuse. You hire people of color to help you write characters of color. You listen to the actor. Like, I wonder if, um, what's his name? Like, Jay August? I wonder if he even felt empowered enough to speak up for anything that was coming across as tone deaf. Like, maybe he didn't say anything because he was afraid he'd lose his job. You know? Anyway, I know I've brought this shit up before, but I'll do it again. <laughs> okay, what else? Do we have anything else that we need to say about this episode of Angel? Um, I did take quite a lot of notes, so let's see. Let's keep going here. <laughs> There's just like some weird little funny moments with Angel in this episode. They're, they're kind of easing into Angel being sort of a funny character, which I like. I... I like that they're doing that just to give him something other than being broody guy. Um, so he makes this silly comment at one point about power walking. Like, walking I get, but power walking? Why not just run for a shorter time? <laughs> like, it's just weird. Um, I like that Lauren called Knight. Um, Lauren called Angel at Knight for hire. I just think that's cute. Um... Fred worked at the library. So cute. We get a library setting in this episode. And the whole time, all I'm thinking is the fact that when they first walked into the library, one of the librarians was like, if you want to check something out, you got five minutes until we close. And then they're in the library for like at least another half hour. And of course, me being a person that works in a public library, I'm like, they better get the fuck out of there. <laughs> It's closing time. Get the fuck out the library, bitches. Um, they could have just thrown in, like, one little scene of, like, maybe the librarians were consenting to them doing a little bit of poking around because of Fred's disappearance or something, you know? They could have just given you a little bone of, like, an explanation for why they get to be in the library after closing time. But that's me being nitpicky. I realize that. Um, my next note was, Cordelia, don't read Pylean in front of the books. Like, hello? She immediately starts opening a book from another language that she saw in a vision was the book that Fred was holding when she got sucked into a portal. And she starts reading aloud from it. Hello? Are y'all not in the supernatural business? Like, come on. Somebody should have tried to stop Cordelia from reading Pylean in front of the fucking books. Jesus. Uh, Cordelia keeps saying, like, something feels wrong. I feel like we're not getting the full picture, stuff like that, which I thought was a cool touch that they're like, everybody, everybody decided to trust Cordelia's intuition and, and follow her gut. Um, and I like that she has that. I like that, you know, it's not just, she's, she's actually progressing as far as the way that she's reacting to her visions, not just you know, the visions are causing her debilitating pain and blah, blah, blah. And they're getting worse and blah, blah, blah. But she's also, she's honing her, she's giving more details after she has a vision. So it's like, she's paying more attention during the visions to what she needs to pay attention to. So she's getting better at interpreting the visions and she's getting better at like, you know, this is our first 
I think, sort of indication that she has some kind of intuition surrounding the vision. Like, like, yeah, but I don't think this is why they showed this to us. I think there's more to this, you know? And she's the one that kind of presents the idea that maybe they could open a portal on purpose in order to send that one guy back. And then maybe they could also... I guess they weren't actually thinking about saving Fred. They were just trying to send that guy back. And then Cordelia accidentally got sucked in. So they weren't actually going to try to save Fred, which sucks. Because if she was in the vision, wouldn't the indication be that they should help her? <laughs> you know? I don't know. Anyway. Um, but Fred disappeared five fucking years ago, if I didn't mention that. She's been gone for five years before we even know of her existence. Um, there's, you know, a whole battle and shit. Yeah, that's basically it. Cordelia gets sucked into the portal at the very end, and we see her on another planet for a second, and she's like, crap, and then credits. Um, so I'm kind of excited about this particular arc of Angel, because in my mind, I mean, I don't remember enough about Angel to say definitively, but in my mind, season three is really good. The first season with Fred. Season four is a total fucking nightmare, and I hate it. And then season five, but don't we get stupid Connor next season? So maybe season three sucks too. Maybe the only season of Angel that's actually good is season five, but I am excited that we finally get Fred. This is the character that, like, she's basically the Willow character of Angel, but she's not exactly the same. She's, she's actually way better than Willow. I don't really like Willow that much a lot of the time. Which is a great transition into this particular episode of Buffy. So let's start talking about Buffy Tough Love. Okay, so this is the one where we lose Tara for a little bit. Um, first of all, I just want to dive in a little bit. I don't have a lot to say about this, but I just want to like comment just in general on the implications, like I get it as a narrative thing, you know, as a narrative storytelling thing, the whole glory sucks people's brains out and then they're crazy afterwards. I get it in that sense, but I just want to point out that this is, this is just, it is problematic to a certain degree. Like it doesn't really piss me off because this doesn't seem like reality. You know, this is I mean, it isn't reality. It's a fantasy TV show. So it doesn't actually piss me off, but I do think it's something that's important to note that like, guess what? A person who is, who reads as quote unquote crazy, a person with a neurodivergent brain, a person that can't quote unquote function in society the way that society expects them to, such as the way that people present after glory sucks their brain, is not, you know, the implication that the show is making is that whenever someone sucks out a chunk of your brain, it is therefore incomplete, therefore this is how you act. A person that doesn't act quote-unquote normal and neurotypical is not incomplete of brain. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of problematic. Um, but in a, like I said, in a narrative sense, I, I get it. So it doesn't really bother me that much, but I just wanted to bring it up. It, it felt like, I think I've said something about it before earlier in the season, but I just wanted to bring that up that like Tara is not less than now. Like, it's very sad that it's like 
foggy for her and she can't really access. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know how to say it. Um, it's just like anybody that, you know, is suffering from something like the way that her, the way that people present after glory sucks their brain is it's not necessarily completely akin to any particular um, psychological brain situation, but it, it appears to be kind of a schizophrenic um, presentation. And it's also just aspects of it. Like a person that's schizophrenic is not necessarily like completely not lucid. You know, they have delusions a lot of the time, but those dilute and those delusions can definitely be debilitating for them but it's not like that's how they are all the fucking time and of course you know everything is a spectrum people are different you know anyway i just wanted to bring up that it this narrative thing of just like saying someone's crazy now it's just problematic it just is but at the same time it makes sense as a narrative device so I don't know how to feel about it, but yeah, just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, okay, let's, so let's get into the episode begins with Buffy is talking to a teacher, former teacher now, because she's having to drop all her classes. And the implication here is that she needs to drop all of her classes so that she could be a full-time caregiver to Dawn. And you can tell she actually doesn't want to be doing it. Like, even though we haven't even seen her in school in like a long time, the, um, the idea here is that we're supposed to think that she really regrets having to do this, that she wishes she could stay in school. She was kind of enjoying school, um, lately. And it is sad for her that she needs to do this, but we understand. And she says, and it's heartbreaking to hear her say this, knowing that, Hey, guess what? This is not a spoiler free podcast. Um, just in case this is the first time you're listening. Um, it, it's kind of sad to hear her say, you know, I'm going to come back next semester when I'm more myself. It's like, oh God, honey, you have no idea what's coming. You have no idea what's coming. Things are just at this point in Buffy, we are spiraling down the drain. You know what I'm saying? Like she's about to die and then she's going to come back and she's not going to be the same. And she's, it's just darkness and depression and like self-destructive behavior on the part of every single character. Like we're just headed into such a downward spiral and it's happening already. So obviously, you know, the writers knew that and they put that in there. Just, just for us right now, rewatching the show going, oh shit, Buffy, you have no idea. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, it's going to be emotional watching Buffy. Not that it's not already emotional, but watching Buffy is just going to get more and more emotional, man. It just really is until we get to season seven where everything's just going to be boring. Although it's, that's not true because we get lots of Andrew in season seven and we get Faith back in season seven. There's great moments in season seven, so I shouldn't say that. Anyway, why am I always getting ahead of myself? Um, my One of my very first notes was, I love how Buffy has no idea how to respond to sorry for your loss statements. It's like the teacher says it and then she just kind of like 
stares at him for a second, like, really? You just said that? I have to answer that? I have to say something to that? You know what? No, I don't. I'm not going to say anything. She just doesn't say anything to him when he says that. And I just really liked that touch because that's gotta be just like the most annoying thing to hear. Even though like people are saying it from a good place, you know, he was not being insincere when he said it and she probably knows that, but like, there's just nothing to say to that, you know? And I like that they acknowledge that. They didn't just have her say, oh, thank you, you know, whatever, or try to say something to placate him in any way. She just kind of looked at him blankly, blinked, and then went on saying whatever she was saying. Um, uh, we see one scene with Ben. He comes to work and we find out he hasn't been there in two weeks and he didn't know that he hadn't been there in two weeks because Glory is has been just kind of like taking over his body more and more often. So he uh, understandably gets fired because he hasn't shown up to his job in two weeks. We get a scene with Glory drinking mimosas and having bubble bath, having a bubble bubble bath. I really enjoyed this scene because it just, it just really made me want to take a bubble bath and drink mimosas. And I've never drink drank drinking. I've never drinking. I've never drank mimosas while taking a bath before. I think I should make that happen for myself at some point. That's the object of the episode right there: mimosas and a bubble bath. I'm going to uh, cross out what I actually had here and I'm going to fill that in because that's what needs to happen in my life in the next, I don't know, few weeks, something. Okay. Um, what else? Dawn's been skipping school. So there's a meeting with the principal. Um, yep. Anya's on this whole, like, I just realized I'm an American and, and capitalism in America and I'm patriotic and I don't know what the point of all of that was, but that's really Anya's only purpose in this episode is to um, proclaim that not only does she love money and capitalism, but she also loves America because it's a capitalist nation. <laughs> um, that's really Anya's only point for this episode. Um, Giles tells Buffy, okay, so... Charles get or Buffy and Dawn show up at the magic shop. Buffy says she wants to talk to Giles alone. Um, after we get this funny little comment about how Xander's just, just trying to say to Buffy that he's here for her and he starts wanting to compare himself to something supportive, but he's coming up all bras. <laughs> so I just thought that was hilarious. For some reason it made me imagine like a bra with Xander's face on it. <laughs> which I would absolutely not wear, but it made me laugh just thinking of Xander as a bra. For some reason, I enjoy that. So, um, Buffy goes to talk to Giles back in like the training room and she's talking about what's going on with Dawn and how she has to learn how to give her some, some kind of form of structure and discipline, but she doesn't know how to do that. And she asks Giles to do it for her. And Giles has been so, so helpful to them. So I love that he, at this moment says, I can't do that. You're her family. You have to do it. He he sets a boundary. He puts his foot down in this moment with her and tells her she needs to put her foot down with Dawn. And that was just, I, I just really liked that. It was just felt like a very adult, very, very dad moment. 
I love dad moments with Giles, you know. Um, what else? Buffy's, it just, I, I get that she, you know, we're, her sternness with Dawn, it just seems very weird and out of place, not only in this episode, but just in general, whenever she does this, um, it j just, I don't know. I didn't like the whole, like, yelling at her because she was doing the triangle thing, and, like, I get it for the purposes of this episode, but I just felt like they could have done this scene better. I mean, I guess we're supposed to see this as ridiculous. I don't know. I just thought it was a little extra, and Willow was right whenever she was kind of confronting Buffy about, like, hey, it's okay, like, we can go to the cultural fair, fair, blah, blah, blah. Like, why wouldn't Buffy want to do that? I mean, I get it. It's because she, she's dealing with the information that we don't know yet at this point in the episode, but that the principal told her that she might lose Dawn if she can't get her to go to school and shit like that. So I guess, I guess I get it, but it just, the execution of this scene, just something felt off about it for me. I don't know what it was, but whatever. Let's move on. Um, we get the scene with Glory saying it's time to go collect the key. Um, then we get the fight between Tara and Willow. And I don't want to get too far into like critiquing their fighting style, but there was a lot of like, not really saying what you mean happening in this conversation. Um, obviously with Willow's character, we just get a lot of defensiveness and she actually starts hurling incense, incense, she hurls incense at Tara, goddammit. Um, she hurls insults at Tara and like, of course, some people fight like this. Like, I guess a lot of people fight like this. So I, I guess I'm just critiquing it because for me, whenever I fight, like, not necessarily, like, I don't ever get irrational or whatever, but I'm always fighting with the goal to, like, make sure the truth surfaces on both sides and figure out a way to move past it, you know? Almost like how Tara says, please tell me if I've said something wrong, otherwise I'll say it again, often, and in public. Like, I just, I thought that Tara's approach to talking this out in the beginning of this fight seemed very mature, and then Willow just got cruel. And I also think that, okay, Willow's a little bit misplacing her anger onto Tara as well, because um, earlier, like, the scene the scene with Buffy and, um, Willow, how Willow was trying to say, well, it's okay. Like we were just trying to like help her with her homework and we're just, you know, having a little fun. Like obviously schoolwork is important, Buffy. Like I would never argue against that. I'm Willow. Hello. And Buffy says something to the effect of you, you can't know what this is like. I have to take care of Dawn now. And we don't really see Willow prickle in that moment, but I think the fact that, you know, Tara very rightly sort of points out to Willow that, like, she can understand how Buffy's feeling right now, and that's how this whole fight starts, and she says, you know, I had to take care of my brothers after, you know. And then Willow gets up, I just think this is, I mean, it's consistent with Willow's character if things are not all about her, and 
she's just sick of talking about this shit almost like she just wants it to be fixed you know like at this point if she had the sort of magical power that she will have a year from now she would have just figured out a way to bring Joyce back just so everyone would shut the fuck up about it you know um I feel like uh, it's I don't know what I'm trying to say I just Willow bugs me like how she just makes it about her you know like are you seriously going to be salty because people are gently pointing out to you that you don't know what it's like to lose your mom? Seriously? Just be happy you didn't lose your mom, bitch. Like, come on. And I think the show isn't necessarily pushing that narrative, but that's just what it's making me think about. And like, I think we're just supposed to think, oh, that's really sad. Willow and Tara had a fight. They've never had a fight before. But of course, I'm zoom like zoning in on all of the things about the fight that I'm just like, I don't know. I just think Willow is being a real bitch in this scene. <laughs> like, like I really don't think that Tara was trying to say that Willow might decide that she's not a lesbian anymore. But it makes sense from Tara's perspective that she might be a little worried about that you know I don't think she was literally saying that but I do understand why she might be worried about that because and I don't know I mean I guess it's just this is how fights are people get defensive they say things they don't mean um I've just never really been good with that as an explanation for people saying mean things <laughs> like this is just me being very autistic so I will try to derail myself off of this but I just thought Willow was a real bitch in the scene and I didn't like how you know we've seen so much progress with Tara's character of her being more confident of her you know more self-assured and confident and in this episode it throughout the whole episode she's being really like tiptoey and shy again and I don't understand hold on I gotta take a drink <laughs> before I start this rant I do not understand what they were fucking thinking with her wardrobe in this episode. Like, back when we were first introduced to Tara, sometimes she'd have kind of crappy outfits, but, you know, mostly she dressed just like sort of vaguely shy goth, I would say, would be kind of her style, shy goth. Um, and lately they've been dressing her a little bit more on the witchy side, a little less goth, a little bit more witch and sometimes a little hippie thrown in there too, which I get. Um, but in this episode, she's just wearing like some like slouchy denim and a loose shirt and like also a denim jacket, I think maybe something. It just like her outfit didn't match. It didn't look good. It just didn't seem like her character at all. I don't understand the choice to put her in this outfit. It's almost like they were dressing her as if she already couldn't dress herself. You know what I mean? And we're going to see her throughout the rest of the season. She's just going to be wearing like pajamas and shit because I assume that Willow would have to be the one to like put her in clothes or get her to put clothes on. And like, anyway, it, this just bothered me. Another stupid detail, but like, she's just so not standing up for herself, not saying what she really means, um, and all of that. 
and she also is dressing like like she just grabbed something out of the closet and that she doesn't care about her style, but we know that Tara cares about her, her style, so I don't know. Just, just I'm sad about Tara is the point. <laughs> I'm sad about Tara. I'm sad about what they're doing to her character. Not just like with the whole glory sucking her mind thing. I get that as a plot device, but it's, it's a huge blow. I get that as a plot device, but it just, I don't know. I just feel like they sucked all the air from underneath the progress that she's made, even at the beginning of this episode before her mind got sucked. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I, you know, I don't like also, you know, just, this is just hammering home the point even more, but like when Tara says it frightens me how powerful you're getting to Willow. I don't like that when Willow reacts to that and asks her directly, pretty much, even though she's being defensive and an asshole, I don't like that Tara doesn't actually talk about this at all. You know, she just pretty much backs off of it immediately. Like, I, I didn't mean it like that. I ugh. Like, yeah, you did, Tara. We've been seeing you, like, react to Willow being too powerful and all of that stuff. And it's totally legit. But she's not going to confront her about that yet. So whatever. I just need to let that go at the moment. Um, so here we get to, so, um, they just, you know, they don't end the fight on a good note. Tara goes to the fair, like they were going to go and she's just sulking alone on a bench and Willow goes to the magic shop and she's just sulking in a pile of pillows in the corner of the magic shop. And then she goes up to the counter to kind of like mope in the vicinity of Giles. And right before she gets up to the counter, Giles and Anya are, like, dealing with, like, some shipment that's coming or something. And here's where we get the quote of the episode. You called it, Mom. Um, he's just, like, opening up a box, and he's like, well, I hope this isn't a return. Everyone wants petrified hamsters, and they're never happy with them. <laughs> I just want to start saying that in daily conversation for no reason. Um, everyone wants petrified hamsters and then they never, they're never happy with them. Never, you know? And then Willow comes up and she's sulking and he asks her if she's okay. And she says, yeah. And he's like, yeah, because your good mood is both obvious and contagious. So right in the span of like 20 seconds, Giles has the two best quotes of the episode, I feel. Um, and then she confides in him that her and Tara had a fight and he's like, well, you know, you guys will make your apologies. You'll, you'll feel better. It's, you'll realize that you can fight and it's not the end of the world, especially if this is your first fight. And, you know, great sage dad advice. Thanks, Giles. He's always ready for the sage advice, whether it has something to do with putting your foot down, whether it has something to do with fights with your girlfriend or petrified hamsters. You know, he's always got the nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> Apparently in my notes, I wrote something that's smarter than all the shit that I said at the beginning of this episode about, you know, the implications of like glory sucking someone's brain and their brain being incomplete if they read as crazy. I just wrote, the implication is that neurodivergent brains are incomplete brains. So I kind of said it better in my notes than all the words that came out of my mouth earlier. So there it is. I did like when, um... Did I skip over something? 
Oh, again, I just, Tara versus Glory, that scene, whenever Glory sits down next to Tara on the bench, and she, you know, she taunts her for a while before she sucks her brain, and she, first of all, she squeezes her hand really hard and breaks the bones in her hand, and then her hand bleeds? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would her hand bleed? Did she crack her bones so hard that her bones are just poking out? I don't know, maybe. I don't know. Um... I just wrote, I wish Tara would speak up for herself. This entire scene, Tara doesn't say a word. The whole time that Glory's like taunting her, she just like looks scared and kind of looks around like a lost puppy. You know, like she already has had her brain sucked. Like this whole episode, she's almost acting like that. And I just don't like this. Whoever wrote this fucking episode, let's see, let's find out who we can blame. Because it makes me mad because they're, like, not writing Tara correctly in this episode. It's like they don't know her. Like, who are you? Who wrote this fucking episode? Rebecca Rand Kirshner. No, she writes a lot of episodes, so this doesn't make sense. I don't understand why they were having her be... Like, I get that she's not going to be super quippy. Tara's their favorite person to put in danger now that Willow's a little less helpless. I get that, you know, we're just supposed to feel bad for Tara, and we do, but she could have stood up for herself a little bit. She could have had a few lines in this scene. I just, like, she doesn't have a single line. She just, like, whimpers, and that's it. She doesn't even, like, say anything to Glory. Like, she could have, because Glory was, like, asking her who the key was. She could have just said, I don't know. You know, she could have said fucking something, but she says nothing. She gives her a little bit of a defiant look. But that's it. She could have figured, she could have like stalled Glory or something. I don't know, whatever. I'm going to start. Sorry, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm sad about Tara. <laughs> um, oh, another great quote of the episode is, um, so Spike and Dawn are, he's like babysitting Dawn while Buffy goes to the hospital to see Willow um, and Tara. And Spike says to Dawn, cheer up, platelet, which is obviously a very pointed, like it's a cute little nickname, platelet, but it's obviously very, very pointed because, you know, the whole idea is that Dawn was created from Buffy. Somehow Dawn was created from Buffy's blood or something. And like the whole death is your gift. The reason why she can throw herself into the portal to close it instead of Dawn is because their blood is the same, they are the same, whatever. So it makes sense to call her a platelet because she's a platelet in Buffy's blood. She's a part of Buffy, you know? Anyway, I just thought that was smart and also cute. Um, I did like how Buffy comforted Willow in the hospital. I don't know, we just don't really see, we don't ever really see Buffy in a comforting role towards Willow. It's more like Willow's supporting her most of the time, but this was sweet how she just hugged Willow and she's holding her hand and she's just, just being there for her. And we don't usually see Buffy in a nurturing capacity. Um, I mean, despite the fact that she's constantly attempting to be nurturing towards Dawn, but just like, sometimes I just don't believe it. You know, sometimes it just feels like she's acting. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but I, I just liked that, how she was just being affectionate towards Willow and being comforting towards Willow, which is exactly what she would be since they're best friends, but it's just, we don't see it often. So I just wanted to note that that was, it just felt sweet to me. 
Um, really heartbreaking to hear Dawn's speech in, like, the cave or wherever they are. I guess they're, like, in the whatever underground crypt thing at Spike's. And he, Dawn's just sort of crying, and Spike's actually trying to comfort her, which is always sweet when Spike is trying to comfort someone. Um, and she's just like, this is all because of me. You know, anything that happens to Tara, the fact that you're all beat up, it's all my fault. It's because of me. Because I'm the key. All this stuff is happening because of me. And it's, it's just really, it's just really heartbreaking and sweet. And it makes sense that she would be having these feelings. And I don't know. I just thought that was an important thing to be in the episode. Um, Buffy versus Willow. So Willow gets like vengeful and she decides she's going to go after Glory because they have to hold Tara for the night so she can't be there. And Buffy thinks that she's talked her down. And I wrote, Willow's getting better at lying because she just says, okay, I'll wait. And then she leaves. Um, I don't know what I was going to say about that. I guess that just be, that happened. Buffy thinks she talked her down. And she didn't, which is so dumb because like she doesn't, Buffy doesn't realize that Willow's going to do it anyway until Spike and Dawn point out to her, what if it was Dawn? When Willow points that out in the conversation that they're having and it, that doesn't trigger in Buffy, you know, because very rightfully so. It's weird. Like the arguments between Willow and Buffy in this episode, I think Willow's right both times, but most of the time I think Willow is an asshole. Maybe I'm just like, no matter what, I'm just on Tara's side, no matter what. I mean, that tracks with me. I pick characters that are my favorite and they can do no wrong. And Tara is one of them. So it makes sense that I would think that. But, um, anyway, <laughs> I, thought that Willow was right whenever she said to Buffy, what, like, it? we can do things on your timetable whenever it's someone that you care about as much as I care about Tara, we can do it when you're ready. Like, I just thought that was a really good point. And that should have triggered in Buffy the same reaction that Spike and Dawn pointing at that same thing out to her afterwards. It should have triggered that in her. She should have known. And I guess just it's just a plot device like she didn't know because they didn't want her to know in that moment like i realize it's a tv show i know michael's home with the groceries so i need to go see what he got <laughs> and then i'll be right back okay that's totally weird i just completely hallucinated that michael was yelling up the stairs at me that he was home <laughs> and he's not <laughs> so whatever um Let's see. So, okay. I just thought this was kind of hilarious. So, you know, how more on the nose could we be? Willow goes back to the magic shop. She goes up to the, where all the forbidden books are, which we know that's where the forbidden books are because of the episode with Dawn, where she got out the forbidden books. Why doesn't Giles keep them locked up at home? You know, like, why does he have materials at the magic shop? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just has too many books to fit in his smaller loft apartment. I don't know. Anyway, so she gets out a book that literally says darkest magic on it and has like a lock on it. And she just like uses some kind of weapon to break the lock off the book. 
and we see Willow's eyes turn black. I think this is the first time we've seen that. It's possible that's not true. Don't know, because her eyes go black whenever she restores Angel's soul. Right? So we've seen it at least one other time. But her eyes go completely black. And they stay that way, I think, throughout when she's casting the spells on Glory. So she just sort of sucks up a bunch of information from the Darkest Magic book. Kind of like we'll see her do at the end of the next season when she fully embodies Dark Willow. Again, because of Tara. Because of the loss of Tara. The loss of Tara sends her over the edge. Which makes sense because Willow just completely loses her shit in heartbreak, romantic heartbreak situations. You know, she was able to pull herself back from that brink when it came to Oz, but she obviously loves Tara so much more. I guess is, is how we're supposed to read this whole thing narratively. Um, oh, I wanted to look up the goddesses that she mentions when she first like starts casting the spells against Tara or Tara glory. She says Kali, which of course I know who Kali is. Um, if you don't, she's from Hindu mythology and she is, um, kind of like a, she's kind of a destructive goddess, like in a good way, in a protective and good way. She's not an evil goddess, but she's sort of a goddess of destruction. Um, and then she says Hera, um, which I feel like I have heard of Hera. I'm going to look up the goddesses that she mentions because I didn't know I think Kronos is time I've never heard of tonic they might have made it up but let me look them up okay Hera is the goddess of women marriage family and childbirth Kronos is the youngest of the first generation of Titans the divine descendants of Uranus and Gaia okay Kronos is a god Okay, so tonic, I think they made up because it just shows up as like, just on a quick Google, I didn't go too far into it, but um, it just shows up on like the Buffy wiki um, as a god or whatever deity that is called upon by, during, in spells. Um, okay, so, but I think this is the only time. I do like when, uh, like when Willow shows up and she's calling upon the god, the, the deities, I guess. And she says, I owe you pain. Um, so it was kind of like a fun display of power when you don't know what this means, you know, for Willow's character in general. Like, yes, yeah, she's becoming a very powerful witch, but Tara's right. She's real fucking scary. Like the way that she's going about it, the, you know, the way that she has a tendency towards doing spells just to make things easier for her personally. You know, she definitely does most of her spells from um, a selfish place, you know? Um, anyway, but it is kind of fun to see her, like, attacking Glory. Um... Then we get Buffy versus Glory, because at this point she shows up, like, right before Glory's about to stab Willow. Um, and 
then the very last scene we just get it's um tara and willow buffy and dawn like hiding out i don't know why they're hiding out by themselves why xander and giles and anya aren't there i don't know but they're just like having sandwiches in tara's old room i guess like but it's in it's all disheveled and there's boxes everywhere like i mean we did see way at the beginning of the school semester it looked like tara was moving in with willow but why would she still be in the process of moving it's like five months later or something i this again you know how i get hung up on details i just was like what how does this place still exist this is this is a dorm room they would have gotten her out of there pretty swiftly they wouldn't let her take several months to move out unless she just sort of made the decision to move in with willow even though she still had her dorm room technically okay all right we'll we'll say that's the case but you know there's just boxes everywhere and it looked like a tornado had hit the room before you know a literal tornado of glory actually does hit the room <laughs> um so yeah we just get a little moment between the four of them eating some sandwiches like they're camping out or something and then glory shows up and like rips the wall off the room and i it was in this moment that i noticed like everybody on the show all the like main characters in the show for the most part have green eyes sarah michelle geller has green eyes i think Ter tara's eyes might be like more hazel like i couldn't tell in the scene they weren't showing her eyes very closely like as i was noticing that everyone had green eyes um dawn does have blue eyes and xander has brown eyes but like i've always noticed that giles and buffy both have green eyes but it wasn't until this moment that i noticed that willow has green eyes too like everybody fucking has green eyes which are really the prettiest eyes i wish my i guess my eyes are kind of greenish um they're greenish brown like in certain lights they kind of look green a little bit but anyway <laughs> I just thought that was funny like three out of the four main characters of Buffy have green eyes and green eyes are pretty rare aren't they I don't know maybe I don't pay enough attention to people's eyes maybe lots of people have green eyes anyway um so Glory shows up and Tara inadvertently reveals that Dawn is the key because she's just like you're such pure green energy and this is the moment where again me being nitpicky I'm like how did glory how did it not occur to her that dawn might be the key like how like i get why she might suspect spike and why she might suspect tara but she doesn't like she should be like she said earlier like i'll just go through buffy's friends one by one blah 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 like she never for a second suspects willow she never for a second suspects xander or anya or giles or it's like she's not really very motivated and as we've seen ben hasn't been inhabiting the body very often so i don't know it's just i get it plot it was supposed to just be in this moment where tara reveals because now they're gonna go on the run 
like the last three episodes of the season are just, they're going to be in that bus. They're going to be running. The Knights of Byzantium are going to be everywhere. Don't hit the horsies. You know, the whole thing. So <laughs> anyway, that's the very last moment. She like rips the wall off and we get that moment of realization that Tara has just inadvertently revealed to Dawn, to Glory, that Dawn is the key. So now Glory knows and that's where the episode cuts off. So I guess that's where we are now. Um, let's do ratings of the episode, shall we? Like I said, object of the episode is mimosas in a bubble bath. I originally had written down just for, sh for shits and giggles. I never say that phrase. It sounded weird coming out of my mouth. I did originally write petrified hamster. <laughs> Not because I actually want a petrified hamster, but just the thought of like Sunnydale being like this little town that somehow has everything. Sun Sunnydale being this small town where enough people in this small random town are witchy enough to both want a petrified hamster, but be dissatisfied with it enough to return it. Just the idea of be having access to a magic shop in a town where people have a demand for petrified hamsters, that's kind of the object. That's sort of the, the idea that I would love to be able to order weirdo witchy things such as a petrified hamster. <laughs> Which has probably never been a witch ingredient ever, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, mimosas in a bubble bath. That's, that's gotta be a part of my life at some point. Oh, we did get a minty mug sighting. I don't think I mentioned that. We, we did see the minty mug. Um, Giles was drinking out of it in the scene where Buffy pulls him to the back to talk to him about putting her foot down and discipline and all that shit. It's in that scene. So I am just very comforted to know that the consistency of the minty mug, it's been with us since at least season three maybe season two. I really need to know when the first sighting was. Maybe I should do like a, a Buffy rewatch just for myself, just for fun, just sit down and like binge watch it and just kind of take note of the first time we see it because I'm sure I took note at the time. Maybe I should actually go back and read my notes, but that sounds more tedious than just watching all of Buffy again. Why does that sound more tedious? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, outfit of the episode. It's again, any, anytime we get glory in an episode, she's probably going to win outfit of the episode in this season because they're not really concentrating on anyone else's outfits. I did enjoy Willow's outfit throughout this episode. She was wearing sort of a mauve crushed velvet dress that had some kind of like, it had some writing on it. It had some kind of like witchy symbols and stuff, but they were kind of meant to look faded. So you couldn't really tell what was happening. It had like a pentacle on it and some other little symbols and writing that you couldn't really read, but it was cute. Like seeing Willow in a mauve crushed velvet dress is, that's always going to be a yes for me. So she gets a close second, but I really liked Glory's, um, her like red satin embroidered slip dress in the scene where Willow shows up and owes her pain. And then whenever she, it gets like torn and she rips it off and she just has this perfectly matched black satin shit slip under it. 
that was just so classy looking and her she also had this um this gold like chunk of ropes looking choker on that just looked it looked great with the slip dress and then it looked great with the black I don't even really like gold but I like it on glory <laughs> and especially the combination of the black slip dress with that gold necklace and her gold shoes and her black nails and her toenails were painted black so like the black and the gold was on her toes and the black and the gold was in her in her slip and her it just the her whole situation like they are paying attention to the fashion of glory which means they could pay more attention to the fashion of Tara you know what I'm saying come on people they obviously have great costume designers on set it's just like sometimes they don't give a shit about certain characters you know it's like they're not even concentrating on Buffy's fashion very much lately like her fashion has just been either forgettable or terrible like this whole season anyway I liked Willow's dress and I almost like okay I swear I'm gonna shut up about this eventually but like the fight between Tara and Willow Tara's wearing you know just like the costume designer didn't even give a shit they just threw some clothes on her they didn't even necessarily fit well they just threw some clothes on her and then with Willow she's wearing this great coat and this awesome mauve crushed velvet dress and she's wearing like brown boots and like the whole situation works for her like why are they concentrating only on the styling choices of certain characters it's like the costume designer just really likes willow and glory and everyone else can fuck off that's just the vibe that i'm getting in this particular episode and throughout the season too anyway i'll shut up about that but as per usual glory gets outfit of the episode the quote again um let's just say it again just for fun well i hope this isn't a return everyone wants petrified hamsters and they're never happy with them <laughs> um mvp of the episode i couldn't think of anything you know like everybody has their moments in this episode but i decided to give it to xander for referring to himself as a supportive bra that's all <laughs> he gets mvp just for an arbitrary reason because i was amused by thinking of xander as a bra completely arbitrary five by five ratings I don't know like this episode it pushes forward the plot I get why a lot of decisions were made for this episode but this episode also as you've heard really annoyed me for a lot of different little detail reasons I just feel like they were too focused on the end cycling down the drain the end this downward spiral which is funny because the next episode is called spiral <clears throat> the just general downward spiral of the end of the season they were too focused on that arc to really pay too much attention to how this episode was executed i just feel like there's a lot of good ideas that they could have done better and maybe they were rushing through the process of getting this episode edited together which you know for back in the day whenever things had to not like there's not still networks and tv I, there is right <laughs> but i feel like these days with like netflix series being more like kind of the norm of the way that tv series are being structured 
they can take their time on creating an arc that every single episode works well together and every single episode has meaning and you don't have to have 22 episodes in a season like you know much as i love buffy it's my favorite show ever i would give up a good you know over the course of the whole series i would let go of 15 or 20 episodes if that meant that the other episodes would be that much better because they weren't trying to throw something together last minute for an episode because there needs to be an episode here kind of thing you know not that that episode was not that this episode was that i mean important things happened in this episode we needed to see that fight between tara and willow i just think it could have been done better we needed to see most of the things that happened in this episode i just feel like they could have been done better so i'm just going to give this episode i mean it's perfectly serviceable so i can't really give it a bad score i'll give it a three which really isn't that bad for me um maybe i should give it a let's give it a 2.5 it was perfectly fine middle of the road episode of buffy um but i will see you guys next week where we're yeah that's the i think that's when we get catatonic buffy is next episode right or is that the one after it's probably the one after because the one after is called the weight of the world so i think it's the weight of the world that puts her in a catatonic state so in the next episode i don't even know what happens let's let's read the premise of the next episode shall we we never do that why not just for fun Glory discovers that Dawn is the key and Buffy must do the one thing she thought she'd never have to in order to save her sister. Run away. Okay. Um, that's not really bringing to mind, like, I remember the arc of the end of the season and I remember them running away, but I just don't remember what the exact plot point is. Like, they're just running the whole time? I don't know anyway so i'll see you guys next week yeah i'm also off next week i was off i got lucky actually because it's gonna be like i said the last of this season is pretty heavy and i actually only work one of the saturdays this month i specifically asked off for may 22nd which is the the day that we talked about the last episode of the season because it's the 10 year anniversary of the tornado that hit my town and it was a very traumatic event for a lot of people and i specifically asked for that day off for for three different reasons one because we're about to talk about this episode of buffy and that's going to be an emotionally taxing day to talk about that episode of buffy two because i'm getting um a tattoo uh, my back tattoo i'm getting it finished on the day before that so i'm going to be healing a tattoo so i usually if i can like to have like a couple days off when i'm healing a tattoo because it just makes me cranky um and then three it's going to be the 10 year anniversary of the tornado so it's just like i'm going to be healing a tattoo talking about an upsetting episode of buffy and it's going to be the 10 year anniversary of a very traumatic event in my life and in the lives of everyone that lives in my town really but um so that's going to be a heavy day we're going to be on an emotional roller coaster that day. And I'm so glad I don't have to add working for eight hours on top of the other emotional things. <laughs> um, so I specifically ask for that day off. Um, but the other 
two weeks that I am going to be off whenever we talk about the episodes of Buffy. I just got lucky. So that's really great for me because it is, I mean, you guys have heard it. I'm just real punch drunk and literally drunk on the days that um, I work a full eight hour shift and then I have to come home, do anything that I'm going to do on a Saturday night, eat dinner, whatever. And by the time I like gather my wits about me to start this podcast start the preparations for and the recording of and the editing of and uploading of and all that stuff for the podcast by the time I get to that point it's like 10 o'clock at night and I you know I'll drink a shot with you guys and like I swear I always sound way drunker than I am because I'll take one shot I'll do it as I'm recording you guys know when it happens usually and I always like feel like I just go off the rails because it's it's probably just because I'm so tired from working an eight-hour shift. Plus on Saturdays, it's the day that I work with a person that particularly overstimulates me, I guess is, is the nice way to put it. So I'm usually like just mentally, emotionally, physically, psychically drained by the time I get home from work. And then this podcast, it, it I mean, it's not... I don't want to complain about it, but it, it takes several hours. You know, I started work on this podcast today. Let's see what time is it? It's 424. I started working on it. It was about 1, 1230 or one o'clock. And I've just been, you know, I watched both episodes, the one of Angel, the one of Buffy. I took notes. I read about them in the episode guides. I tried to organize my thoughts. I pressed record you know, we've been going for an hour and eight minutes. (laughs) Like I've paused a couple of times. Um, yeah, I mean, just so you guys can hear some behind the scenes of podcasting. I, other people put in way more effort than I do because some people, the recording is just a small portion of the process. And then they spend hours, I would assume editing. I don't do that. I, I throw the, the theme song on the, the top And that's all I do as far as editing is concerned. Like if I was going to be doing lots of editing, then this whole process would take me. God, if I actually did it from start to finish, which is the kind of person that I am, so I probably would, I would be like, let's see. Okay. So it's been like four three and a half hours by the time I actually get this edited and uploaded, it will be like four, four and a half hours. If I were actually doing extensive editing, this would be a full like eight hour possibly day. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a labor of love, obviously, because I don't get paid to do this, but, um, and I'm not complaining. It's just, it can be taxing. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. I don't know why I went on that little side note, but that's what I do. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will be back next week to talk about Spiral and the Buffy or the Angel episode Over the Rainbow, I think. That's what it's called. My handwriting is terrible on my calendar, but I think that's what it's called. Um, Yeah. And we'll have fun talking about tragic shit. I guess, you know, the like angel's going to be a little bit more lighthearted the next few weeks. So it might actually be kind of fun talking about angel because I'm going to enjoy that arc. So I will see you then. Bye.